Today is a, a really cool day for our family. Um, not only was my husband able to sit up here with all of you runners, which uh, well done, each of you, well done. Uh, but our son, Elijah, is six today. And uh, yesterday we held a little uh, a pirate party for him and his buddies. Um, and there's nothing like seeing a bunch of five and six-year-old dressed like pirates. Uh, it's quite a sight to behold, uh, running around calling them matey and saying arr uh, to one another. And uh, we came up with all sorts of little games in our backyard, and we put a little plank over our kiddie pool. That was walk the plank. It was pretty awesome. Um, but one of my favorite parts of, a, uh, of an event and an experience like that is, you know, whenever you dress a kid up in a costume, every parent is trying to take like tons and tons of pictures. And uh, one of the things that I love is that, you know, when you're trying to take pictures of kids, they are never looking in the same direction at the same time, you know, because they've got a thousand things on their mind, right? I mean, they're looking at their buddy who's dressed like a pirate. They're wondering how they can get this guy's sword because it's bigger, you know, and it's cooler. Uh, There's cupcakes coming in a few minutes, you know, they're got to blow out a candle. There's prizes, there's presents, there's all sorts of things going on. And, And five six-year-olds, you don't have to spend too much time with them to realize that they are utterly distracted human beings, right? And the amazing thing is, is that um, when I look at the scriptures, um, the writer of Hebrews actually uh, says that we're not all that different than a five or six-year-old, that we have uh, a tendency to get distracted, um, to lose focus quickly, um, to forget what our lives are supposed to be about. In fact, I just want to read to you for a minute, and and if you want to open up the blue Bible in front of you, you can. Uh, We're going to look at Hebrews 12 for just a second. Uh, And if you don't want to, I can just read it to you as well, but it's found on 1,115. And the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Let us throw us off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I think for many of us, we tend to grow weary and we tend to lose heart and we tend to get distracted because if we're honest, life is hard, isn't it? We face trials, we face disappointments. We have an idea of how life is supposed to go and it doesn't go that way. We have pictures of of how things are supposed to turn out and then when you look back on the pictures, that's not at all what the picture looks like. In fact, uh, in the message version, I I love how this, this verse is translated. Let me read it to you in the message version. It says, do you see what this means? Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means that we better get on with it. We need to just strip down and start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, 
No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. Jesus could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story, go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that will surely shoot adrenaline into your souls. You know, it's amazing when you, when you dive into this verse, essentially the writer of Hebrews, um, I mean, he starts by saying, get on with it. Come on, keep running. And, and I don't know about you, but in my life, um, I tend to stop and look at every single circumstance that comes my way and try to ask God, okay, well, what are you trying to say now? Like, well, what, what does this mean? Or what does that mean? I thought it was going to go this way, God. And so, so what are you trying to say to me about this? You know, when, when I hit a, a rough patch or when there's a tension or, or when a prayer that I've been praying for so long continues to just be a prayer and it doesn't get to the answered part of the prayer, I have this tendency to not keep going. My tendency is to just sort of stop in my tracks, to just sort of be like, oh, no, wait a minute, why is this happening? And the writer of Hebrews says, no, don't stop running. Don't let that unanswered prayer or don't let that tension or don't let that circumstance or don't let that disappointment or don't let that thing that seems to be getting in the way keep you from running. Keep running. Keep running. And and then what's amazing is he goes on to say, just strip down and start running and never quit. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race that we're in. And I don't know how many of you were out here this morning uh, and, and watching those runners run past. I mean, there, there's nothing like seeing somebody that is literally in sheer agony, right? In sheer agony. And you can almost see their brain. You can almost see the conversation that they're having. They're going, why, God? Why did I ever sign up to do this? You know, I mean, it's literally like they don't even need to put it on the bib across them. It's so clear on their face. And those of us that were standing out there, I mean, we all just kept commenting with one another. It's so amazing to see people keep running to keep going, to keep moving, to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying with our faith, with our worship, to keep going. You may be in sheer agony. Life may have dealt you a card that you thought would have never been in your story. You've been trying to get from here to there for so long in something, and you still feel like you're smack dab in the middle. And the writer of Hebrews continues to say, keep moving. And you know, the reason that the writer of Hebrews says that, it goes on to talk about, is because we have a finish line, don't we? That finish line is not this earth I think so many of us think that it is. I think so many of us get stuck 
and we forget that if we are in relationship with Jesus, we are the redeemed. That means that this is not our home, friends. That means there is a place that has been prepared for us. And that is where God is asking us to keep our eyes fixed on because that's where Jesus is. You know, in this passage, it says, when you find yourselves flagging in your faith. I mean, how many of us, if we were to really be honest, if you were to really be honest, you would say, I'm flagging in my faith a little bit. So it's just me. I think if you were all to be gutsy enough, you probably would put your hand up a little bit. We flag in our faith. We get defeated. We, we struggle. There's tensions. There's relationships that, that we don't understand why they're so painful. There's experiences in our past that we think, gosh, I thought I moved past that. And why, why do I keep going back to that? It says, when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again, item by item. And you know what we tend to do? I think we tend to go over our own story. We tend to go over our own circumstances. We tend to go over our own failures. And this passage says to us, no, don't go over your own story. Go over the story of Jesus. Because in the story of Jesus, he went through a long litany of hostility, didn't he? He was scorned. He was betrayed by the closest people to him. He was judged. He was critiqued. And he was ultimately sentenced to death. And this passage says, go over that story. Go over that story again and again and again. And if you do that, you will see. You will see your finish line. I had the privilege of... um, being here at Soul City today with so many of you and cheering the runners on. And then I jumped on the blue line and head down to the finish line. And um, I was waiting for Jarrett to sort of, there's a, there's a corner that you turn. And I got to stand there for probably a good 45 minutes waiting for him. That has nothing to say about his time. He did an amazing job. Um, an amazing job. Um, babe, amazing. Um, but I was standing there for a good 45 minutes and I had no idea where he was. I had no idea, you know, what mile he was at, if he was still running, if what was happening. And it's amazing, this corner. Um, you, you come sort of up and Soldier Field is over to your right and, and you turn this corner and there it is, the finish line. And I was standing right at that corner and it was amazing to watch people turn that corner. And they would literally yell out to each other, We did it! We did it. There's the finish line. I saw a dad grab his paralyzed son and put him in his arms, and they ran all the way through. I saw a woman lean back at her friend, and she was limping like nobody's business. She is going to be in pain tomorrow. And she turned around, and she went back, and she grabbed her hand, and she goes, we can do this together. She grabbed her hand, and they kept running. And I was thinking about this verse, and I was thinking, God, you never cease to amaze me. 
Of course, I'm speaking on Hebrews 12 tonight. And right in that moment, I just felt God sort of whisper to me, Jeannie, you so quickly get your eyes off the finish line. And it's not the life of Jesus that you look at. You look at your own. And you allow your failures to go over and over in your mind. You allow the things that people think about you to go over and over in your mind. You allow your insecurities to be stronger than the way that Jesus has redeemed those insecurities. And I just felt like those 45 minutes were a gift to me to just be reminded that there is a finish line. And and we sing here and we raise our hands here and we worship God here and we say songs like, all I need is you, all I need is you. But do you really believe that? I mean, do you really believe that in your life? I mean, do you worship like that? Do you worship like that in such a way where Jesus is truly all you need? Do you live like that? Do you pray like that? Do you love like that? Do you forgive like that? Do you have hope like that? Do you share the gospel with those that are not on a path to heaven but are literally about to be removed from eternity with Jesus? Do you love them like that with the gospel? Do you give financially like that? Or do you hold on to your resources as if they're yours? Do you confess sin like that? Do you trust God like that? Let me read this to you again. The truth of the scriptures. Because therefore, since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Everything. What is the thing you need to throw off? What is the thing that is so easily entangling you? It says, let us throw it off. The sin that hinders and easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked up for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. So that we will not grow weary and lose heart. And some of you are weary. And Jesus wants to say to you tonight, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep running. That thing that entangles you, just throw it off. Confess it. Come clean with it. This last week, um, I had a privilege of just sort of having a couple days not in my normal schedule. And um, I was at an experience where uh, there was a worship experience and in the middle of this worship experience I don't know if you ever have those moments where you feel God so prompt you and so clearly sort of whisper to you um, you know I've, I've had a few of those throughout my life and I just had that feeling like God was saying to me sit down for a minute and so I did there was you know thousands of people around me and I just sat down I just felt God say to me Jeannie do you see I mean, do you really see 
Stop looking at yourself. Look at me. I'm the author. I'm the perfecter of your faith. There's a whole cloud of witnesses literally cheering you on. So get your eyes off yourself. And look at my son Jesus. Because that's the race I have marked for you. There's a writer. um, His name is Brother Lawrence. And he wrote an amazing book called The Practice of the Presence of God. I would highly recommend it. It's one of the finest books I've read. And Brother Lawrence, his desire in life was to live in the presence of God continuously. He didn't want to ever stop. He didn't want to have that feeling like when you go in and out of the presence of God. He, he, he made it his mission to live continually in the presence of God. And he talks about How do you practice that? And he says this, you know, by practicing God's presence and continually looking at him, the soul eventually familiarizes itself with him to the extent that it passes almost its whole life in continual acts of love, of praise, of confidence, of thanksgiving, of offering and petition. And sometimes all of this may merge into one single act that does not end because the soul is always in the ceaseless exercise of God's divine presence. Doesn't that sound fantastic? To always be in the presence of God? And that's what you and I were created for. So often we just sort of allow worship, we allow God's presence to be scheduled out to when we come to church on Sunday. You were created for it 24-7. Your life is to be a ceaseless act of worship. And the way that that happens is when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because he has set us up in such a way that we can be reminded that when we are discouraged, that when we face troubles, that when life does not go the way that we think life should have gone, that he has already set a race for us, that he is in control, he is sovereign. And so over the next few moments, we're gonna continue to worship. And I'm gonna ask you to take some new risks in your worship. I'm not sure where you're at in your relationship with God. You may be just coming into a relationship with him. Um, You may be returning to church after being away for a while. You might come in here and sometimes look around at people that are raising their hands and go, oh, why are they doing that? I'm going to ask you, wherever you are at in your worship, to take one step closer to Jesus. To take one new risk. You can do that in a couple of different ways. In a minute, we're going to receive the offering. And on a regular basis, you may come to church and you may go, gosh, I wish I could give. I wish that, you know, I had some extra resources. But if you saw my school loans, if you saw my rent, if you saw, you know, all of the things that I have going on, you know, you would know it's better for me to not give. 
And let me tell you, it is never better to be selfish. It's never better. So for you tonight, you might wanna just take a step when it comes to offering. And you might wanna say, you know what, God, I trust you with my resources. I trust you that you are a good God, that everything that I have comes from you. And so everything I have, I'm gonna try and give it back to you to the best of my ability. So that might be the risk that you wanna take tonight. For some of you, like I said, you might need to take a physical risk in your worship. And maybe for the first time, you may wanna raise your hands You may want to close your eyes. You may want to get in a posture of kneeling and really ask God to allow your entire body to worship him. You might want to take a risk and come and write a prayer on one of these pillars. We've got some Sharpies around each one of them. And throughout the entirety of this church, we've sort of been writing on the walls. We believe that this space has been given to us by God as a miracle, and so we want to make sure that this space reflects the miracle of God. So that's why we write the prayers on the pillars. And lots of different prayers have been written over the months in this room. And you may just want to come up and just write a prayer to God. My friend, um, hopefully I'm not going to embarrass her. Um, My friend, Arona, um, She trusts God so much in her life. And it's so cool to see how her life has changed. And a couple months back, she um, she just went up to the pillar and I watched her in worship service, just grab a pen. She wrote some names. And I was in here a couple of weeks ago and I went to that pillar and I was just sort of walking around reading the prayers. And I saw one of the names that she wrote and there was a check mark next to it. And she's seen God answer prayers in her life. And you may have a big one. You may have a doozy, like you've been praying it for years and years and years. It's like breathing to you. Maybe you just need to write it on a solid concrete pillar tonight. But whatever you do, I'm gonna ask you to take a risk. To not just sing the words, all I need is you, but to literally let your being reflect that tonight. So let me pray for us. Father, we want that passage to be true of our lives. We want to run after you, God. We want to be able to throw off everything that entangles us, everything that gets in the way, everything that distracts us. Because you, Jesus, are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You are the pioneer that has gone before us and you have marked a race for us to run. And so our eyes are fixed on you. Jesus, I pray that you would be so blessed by this worship over the next few moments. I pray that there would be nothing in this space that distracts us or gets in the way of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. God, we ask that you would receive this act of worship as a blessing to your heart. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.